Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, that lay in mourning exile here, until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, and come to Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Say that with me this morning. Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray. Father God, we love you so much. Father, just to be here in your presence this morning, to gather with those of like precious faith, to come and to celebrate Jesus, the Savior. Thanks be to you, Father, for your indescribable gift. And I pray, Father, that even as the world in many places, their hearts have turned to your Son this morning, I pray, Father, that that feeling that Paul was talking about, that feeling of what we call Christmas, will live all year long in our hearts that we'll go around doing good like our Savior did, and that we'll always have his name on our hearts and on our tongue. And this we pray in his precious name. Amen. My wife and my daughter bought me this uh, brand new shirt and, and a sweater for my birthday, which was just a couple of weeks ago. For those of you who did not send cards or money... Um, <laughs> Which was pretty much most of you. All of you, really. Um, it's, it's not too late. You can still do it. But uh, I really thought, I'm going to wear this for, for Christmas Sunday. I didn't realize it was going to be 80 degrees. But after all, it is East Texas. Uh, I had the privilege of going out to West Texas uh, last Sunday with my, my brother and my friend, Doc. Uh, we went out and spoke to two different churches that are helping support uh, our work in Ghana. And um, we went out there to give them a report, and we preached to two different little churches uh, last Sunday. And uh, between those speaking engagements, uh, I got a little bit of a cell phone signal, so I called my wife to see uh, how things went here and to, just to touch base with her. And she said, you're not going to believe it. I said, what? She said, uh, Phil's sermon I said, was it, was it really good? She said, it's exactly what you and I have been talking about for the last week. I mean, she said, it was like he was in our living room, in our kitchen, listening to our conversations. When I found out I was going to speak this morning, uh, as I often do, I, uh, as I think and read and thoughts come to my mind, I always bounce them you know, off of my wife, and uh, uh, I appreciate uh, her spiritual insights and her knowledge of the Word, and, and so I'm always bouncing ideas and things uh, like that off of her, and so I was, I was, she knew pretty much what I was going to preach about. She always 
hears a sermon about four or five times before I, you know, I get to, to preach it. And so uh, she said, he just said so much of the same stuff you and I have been talking about. And she said, guess what song he used? And I said, no, he didn't. She said, yeah, born, Be Born in Me, a song by Francesca Battistelli. And I, I was so going to use that song this morning. She said he's, he's used it. And so um, when I see Phil next time, I'm going to bop him in the nose. Uh, thank you for, for, for stealing my sermon. You know, they say great minds think alike. So I don't know if uh, Phil has elevated me or if I have pulled him down to my level. Um, but we were both kind of thinking along the same lines. So I've had to just kind of scrap that and and think about something else this morning, um, which, is, which is fine. If you will, turn your Bibles over to the book of Luke. We'll spend a little bit of time there. My older sister called me this morning uh, to wish us a, a Merry Christmas. And uh, I was thinking about it, and I told her, I said, I think I may even share this this morning. Um, when my sister and I were younger, uh, she's three years older than I am, and um, she was then, and she still is. Um, we've kind of maintained that our, our whole lives. Um, but my sister, Renee, loved her some Christmas. I mean, she loved Christmas. And uh, kind of like Paul was talking about, her favorite time of the year. She got geared up and amped up, and, and that really was kind of her love language. That was her way of telling you that she loved you. She would give you something. And she was always giving really more than she could afford and paying for it all year long. Um, but when we were real little, uh, she would always get really nervous and really scared about going into the living room where the tree was. And I don't know if she was afraid that um, something or somebody was still going to be in there, or maybe she was afraid something wasn't going to be in there. I don't know. But she would come into my room, and we would lie on the floor, oftentimes underneath the bed, and we would have a flashlight, and we would, would look at the clock. Back before we had digital clocks, we had a little alarm clock, and, and we, would, we would look at the clock, and she'd say, Rodney, what time is it? I'd say, it's 1.15. <laughs> and we would lay there, we'd lie there, and we'd wait, and we would wait, and we would wait, and she would say, Rodney, what time is it? 118. And, and this went on, went on and on, you know, minute after minute. And uh, my parents, uh, they, they put a ban on what time we could go in because we'd go in at 3 or 4 in the morning, you know, because we'd been up all this time. And finally, I think they said about 6 o'clock was the earliest we could go in. But we would lie year after year. And even after my sister was, uh, was uh, past, you know, that magical age, um, she would still be so nervous. She would always come to my room and get me and say, come go with me, come go with me. Because um, it's such anticipation in the waiting. What we call Christmas, and, and, and I love the fact that there are so many here this morning. As I was reading this past week, there are a lot of churches around our country that have canceled services this morning. They said, you know, stay home and enjoy your family. And I thought, this is my family. This is where I want to be. I want to be here worshiping God with you guys this morning. So thank you so much uh, for being here. I know we got a lot of people out and traveling and sick. But what we call Christmas really began some 4,000 years ago. I mean, literally, it began before the creation of, of the world. You understand that. But some 4,000 years ago, God came to a man named Abram. 
changed his name to Abraham, and he said, I'm going to make a great nation out of you, and I'm going to bless all people through your seed. All nations will be blessed. And he told him to leave his family, to leave his, his country, to pack up his tent and go to a place that I will show you. And Ab- Abraham believed God, and he obeyed God, and he followed God. But Abraham never saw the promise be fulfilled. And nothing much happened for about 600 years. Abraham's descendants were, um, were many, but they were hardly anything but a, a, a blessing. After centuries and centuries of living in Egypt, they had multiplied and multiplied to the point where they became um, so big that Pharaoh kind of got scared. And so he enslaved them for hundreds and hundreds of years. And God raised up a man uh, named Moses, a prophet, unlike any that had ever been or ever was after him. And God said to Moses this promise, I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you. And I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. That's Deuteronomy 18. And through the years, God raised many prophets after Moses. But people still waited. They waited. And they waited for that promise to be fulfilled. And once they finally arrived in the promised land, God's people waited another 400 years until God raised up a king named David. King David. And David wanted to build a house for God, but because of all the bloodshed, God said, you cannot build a house for me. But God said, I'm going to do something even greater for you. David wanted to do something great for God, but God said, this is what I'm going to do for you. He said, I will raise up your descendant after you who will come forth from you, and I will establish his kingdom. And your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. 2 Samuel chapter 7. Jesus would fulfill that promise. You remember in Jerusalem on what we call Palm Sunday, the people were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. But David waited and he waited and he never saw the promise fulfilled. The fact is that David's immediate descendants had really made a mess of things. 400 years later, The nation of Israel was split in two, divided kingdoms, northern kingdom, southern kingdom. And they were waiting. They had forsaken God. They were in exile, possibly facing extinction. And it was then that God raised up prophets, like we read from this morning, the prophet Isaiah, who promised new life for the nation and the coming of the one called Messiah. From Isaiah 7, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son. And she will call his name Emmanuel. Say it with me. Emmanuel. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father. Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom. But it wasn't for another 500 years that that prophecy would be fulfilled. A remnant of the nation of Israel had returned to the promised land, but it was hardly a glorious return. They were under the rule of Rome and their oppression, 
and the memories and the promises made to Abraham and to Moses and to David and Isaiah were still alive in the hearts and the minds of the Jews, but they were fading because they had been waiting and waiting and waiting. And it was into that darkness that the Christmas event finally came. The fullness of time that they had been waiting for. We've sung some beautiful, beautiful songs already this morning. I think the Christmas season has inspired some of, if not the most beautiful songs and music ever written. Let me share with you a couple of songs this morning, um, more modern songs. This is called Welcome to Our World. Tears are falling, hearts are breaking. How we need to hear from God. You've been promised We've been waiting. Welcome, holy child. Welcome, holy child. Hope that you don't mind our manger, how I wish we could have known. But long-awaited holy stranger, make yourself at home. Please make yourself at home. Bring your peace into our violence. Bid our hungry souls be filled Word, now breaking heaven's silence. Welcome to our world. Welcome to our world. Fragile finger sent to heal us. Tender brow prepared for thorn. Tiny heart whose blood will save us, unto us is born. So wrap our injured flesh around you. Breathe our air and walk our sod. Rob our sins and make us holy, perfect Son of God, perfect Son of God. Welcome to our world. Let's look at Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. One of the neat things about growing up the time that I did, I always got to watch a Charlie Brown Christmas. How many, of you, how many of you watch that every year? Did you watch it this year? I love to watch Linus put on his little blanket and, and quote from the scripture. Hard to get away with that these days, right? Luke chapter 2, the word of the Lord. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Israel, a governor to uh, Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, 
A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things in her heart and pondered them. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. A song from Joseph's perspective. I'm sure he must have been surprised at where this road had taken him, because never in a million lives would he have dreamed of Bethlehem. And standing at the manger, he saw with his own eyes the message from the angel come to life. And Joseph said, why me? I'm just a simple man of trade. Why him with all the rulers in the world? Why here inside this stable filled with hay? Why her? She's just an ordinary girl. Now, I'm not one to second guess what angels have to say, but this is such a strange way to save the world. To think of how it could have been if Jesus had come as he deserved, there would have been no Bethlehem, no lowly shepherds at his birth. But Joseph knew the reason love had to reach so far, and as he held the Savior in his arms, he must have thought, why me? I'm just a simple man of trade. Why him with all the rulers in the world? Why here? Inside this stable filled with hay. Why her? She's just an ordinary girl. I'm not one to second guess what angels have to say. But this is such a strange way to save the world. Would you have chosen that way? Is that the way you would have done it? Let's go back to chapter 1. I want to show you something here. This really caught my attention as I was reading this past week, changing my sermon, Phil, thank you. But this really jumped out at me. You know how sometimes you read the same text over and over, and then sometimes, sometimes it just jumps out at you in a new and fresh way. In chapter 1, you remember the angel Gabriel, the angel of the Lord, uh, he comes to Zechariah, who is he's working in the temple. Zechariah is a priest. And the lot has fallen to him to burn the incense. So he's going about his priestly duties. And verse 11 says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. We see, we saw that when the angels appeared to the shepherds, it says they were 
terrified. When the angel appeared to Zechariah in the temple, it says he was terrified and he was gripped with fear, right? That's often the case when the angel or an angel of the Lord appeared to somebody. We think back to Manoah and we think back to Gideon in in the book of Judges. When they realized that they were talking to the angel of the Lord, I mean, it freaked them out. They were scared to death. Manoah says, I've seen the face of God. How can I live? I want you to notice Mary. Chapter 1 and verse 26. In the sixth month, this is in the sixth month of uh, Elizabeth's pregnancy with with her, her baby John. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now watch this. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Mary was greatly troubled at his words. It didn't say she was scared, did it? It didn't say she was terrified. What, what sort of blows my mind is the fact that she's not scared or terrified that she's talking to the angel of the Lord. The thing that scares her and troubles her is what he says to her. Well, what did he say to her? Greetings, you who are highly favored. You found favor with the Lord. That sounds like a pretty good greeting to me, doesn't it, you? I mean, the opposite of that wouldn't be good at all, would it? Greetings, you who are not highly favored. You have not found favor with God. Now, that's some, that'd be something to be terrified about, right? She's not frightened that she's talking to the angel of the Lord. She's troubled by what he says to her. You are highly favored. You found favor with the Lord. Kind of reminds me sometimes... You know, when a, when a young kid grows up and he really seems to be a good athlete or she really seems to be adept at, you know, uh, this certain thing, and, and sometimes we project things upon them. We say, man, uh, he is a phenomenal athlete. He could, he could be the next, and you know, fill in the blank, whatever sport it is he plays. And so th- now we project things upon that child, and that, that's a heavy burden to carry sometimes, isn't it? You know, I mean, to think that everybody thinks that you're going to be great. And so oftentimes they don't live up to it. In fact, they get tired of the sport because everybody's pushing them, pushing them, pushing them to do more and, and to be better. I think that may be a little bit about why Mary is so troubled at what the angel says to her. Greetings, you who are highly favored. Well, what comes along with being highly favored of God, you see? I think that's what's maybe going through her mind. What comes along with with finding favor with God. And I think what troubles her is what's fixing to come next. What is this angel of the Lord going to say next because I found favor with God? Mary was greatly troubled at his words. Wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child And give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. 
The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Wow. Can you see why Mary may have been troubled? I think she was troubled because she was afraid of what was fixing to come next. You're going to be pregnant. You're going to give birth to a child. You'll give him the name Jesus, and this baby will be the son of the Most High. He will be God in the flesh. Look at what Mary says. Mary, the only response that she has, which is a very natural doubt in her own mind, she says, how how can this be? Since I am a virgin. She's pledged to be married to Joseph, but she's never been with him. She's never had relations with him or any man. How can this be? Since I am a virgin. You remember when God called Moses? You remember when God uh, called Moses and he said, Moses, go and lead my people out of uh, bondage there in Egypt with Pharaoh. And Moses says, God, you got the wrong guy. I don't want to do it. God says, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And he says, God, you know, who should I say sent me? He says, you tell him I am sent you. Well, but I, I'm not good of, uh, I, I can't talk right. I, I, you know, I, I'm not good of speech. And he says, I'll send your brother Aaron to go with you, and he'll be your spokesman. And he says, oh, God, please, please send somebody else. I don't want to do it. You don't see anything like that from Mary. Her only question is, I don't understand how this can be since I've never been with a man. I'm a virgin. And so what does the angel say to her? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. For nothing is impossible with God. I'm going to ask you to say that with me. For nothing is impossible with God. It was not impossible then, and nothing is impossible for God now. God is still in the business of doing the impossible. This is what Mary said. After hearing all that she's heard, you're going to have a baby, you're going to get pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit, he's going to be called Jesus, he's going to be the Son of the Most High, he's going to be the Son of God. And what does she say? Oh, God, you've got the wrong girl. <laughs> Not me. There's no way. I'm too young. There's no way I can do this. This is overwhelming. I can't believe it. No. Is that what she said? I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. <laughs> we don't know much about her. 
We know she was young and she was probably poor. And she was a devout believer in God. And at the time that the angel made this announcement of her pregnancy, she's married, she's uh, fixing to be married to Joseph. She is betrothed. She's in love with a man, or at least their wedding has been, you know, arranged by their parents. But what God asks Mary to do will change her life forever. She was just a teenager. Gone are those possible dreams of a beautiful wedding. Gone are the days of that sweet anticipation, planning for the wedding feast. Gone are the hopes for the most uh, beautiful wedding to the most wonderful man who ever lived. All that's gone. Gone are all those girlish hopes of a beautiful, quiet life. She will be married but not before the rumors spread throughout the countryside. There will be a wedding feast, but it won't be the one that she thought of and she planned about. She will have a home, and it's going to be filled with children. But over her family, for the rest of her life, hung a dark cloud of suspicion, shame. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary quite simply didn't know what to make of it. It's as if someone you never have seen, never heard of, comes up to you and says, this is your lucky day. God has a special blessing for you. And how do you respond to that? You're going to have a baby. But that's really not the half of it. Without a pause, Gabriel proceeds to tell her that just blows her mind. She's going to have a baby, but not not just any baby. She's going to give birth to the Son of God. How can this be? How can this be? But once given the explanation, all Mary said was, May it be to me, as you have said, I and the Lord's servant. Because nothing, nothing is impossible for God. Mary said yes. Mary said yes to God, yes to the impossible, yes to God's plan. And all that was just the beginning. Mary could not know what the future would hold. Before it was over, she would experience heartache, opposition, Slander, confusion, despair, anguish. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? The child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm a storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? And when you kiss your little baby, you've kissed the face of God. Mary, did you know 
The blind will see, the deaf will hear, and the dead will live again. The lame will leap, the dumb will speak the praises of the Lamb. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? The sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. How could she have known? You think she would have said yes had she known all that that yes was going to encompass? I think somehow the answer is yes. I think she would have. And I think that's why God chose Mary. Because he knew that she was open. First of all, she was open to hearing from God. She wasn't terrified. She wasn't freaked out that she was speaking to Gabriel, the angel of the Lord. Her only question was, how can it be? And once given the explanation, she said, I'm the Lord's servant. Do with me whatever you will. So God chose Mary because he knew that she would be open to the impossible. That she was humble and willing. And she said yes to God. She was a woman that God could trust. What about your yes? Mary said yes not only to glory, but she said yes to shame. She said yes to God's power. She said yes to the impossible. I think if Mary were here today and we could ask her, was it, was it worth it? Without a shadow of a doubt, I'm sure she would say yes. Because she knows that her obedience to God has brought life to you and to me. She knows that her yes to the impossible brought life and salvation to all who would believe. She's a model of openness to great possibilities. And the question for me is, can I be open? Will I be open to great possibilities, to supernatural possibilities? Because I believe my God is still in the business of doing that which is impossible. You know, my older son and his wife are expecting a baby. I think I've shared that with you before. The baby's due in February, February uh, 18th. And the last time we were there in November, uh, they had a little baby shower and got all kind of stuff that they think that they have to have for babies, you know. What babies really need is just love and some diapers, <laughs> you know. Um, but all that other stuff, you know, you got to have is just kind of icing on the cake, I guess. I was talking to my boy, um, who's now a man of 6'5", of and um, I said, son, you know, you know that your whole life is going to change. He said, Dad, I, I know it is, but I just can't wrap my mind around it, you know? It's like I, I see Leslie growing, her stomach's getting a little bigger every day, and, and, and we're getting all this stuff, and we're trying to get the nursery painted and all that, but he said, I just, I really can't, you know, wrap my mind around it. I don't guess I can until... She's actually here. And I said, yeah, that, that, that's right. But I said, everything is going to change from here on out. 
It's going to change for the better. But your lives will never be the same. And so I spent a few moments just telling him how much I loved him and how much my life changed when, when he came into it and all the money I had to spend on him. But <laughs> a baby changes everything, right? Teenage girl, much too young, unprepared for what's to come. A baby changes everything. Not a ring on her hand, all her dreams and all her plans. A baby changes everything. A baby changes everything. The man she loves, she's never touched. How will she keep his trust? A baby changes everything. And she cries. She cries. She has to leave and go far away. Heaven knows she can't stay. A baby changes everything. She can feel he's coming soon, but there's no place. There's no room. A baby changes everything. And she cries. She cries. Shepherds all gather round. Up above, the stars shine down. A baby changes everything. A choir of angels say, glory to the newborn king. A baby changes everything. A baby changes everything. Hallelujah. 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 My whole life has turned around. I was lost, but now I'm found. A baby changes everything. A baby changes everything. Our world has been completely changed because of the birth of a little baby boy that we call Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. You've heard the story of the father who came to visit his daughter and his grandchild. He knocks on the door and she welcomes him in with a kiss and he comes in and he brings his bag and before long, he hears the baby crying off in the distance. So he goes into the living room, and the baby's in a big playpen and crying. And she wants Grandpa to pick her up, and his daughter says, No, 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 Dad, don't pick her up. She's in time out. Oh, man, it's breaking his heart. She's crying. She's wanting to be, to be held. And she says, Don't pick her up, Daddy. She's in time out. So Mama goes into the kitchen to make some lunch, and... She's not in there very long, and she realizes that the baby's no longer crying. She's really kind of getting upset with her dad for disobeying uh, her wishes. And so she puts down the utensils, and she marches off into the living room. And as she turns the corner, she sees that her father has climbed into the pen. 
with the baby, had not disobeyed his daughter. Isn't that what God did when he sent Jesus? He didn't take us out of our mess. He didn't solve all of our problems and, 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 and snatch us away from the world. He climbed into our mess with us. God with us. A baby has changed everything. Christmas Day, 2016. What better day if you have not given your life, your heart, everything to him? Wouldn't you let Jesus be born in you today? Would you let your heart be his Bethlehem and let him be born in you today? What better day? Jesus is no longer a baby. You understand that. The baby's all grown up. And he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. I know I've gone way too long, but I, gotta, I just got to share another passage with you. Kind of feel like I have a captive audience this morning. Revelation chapter 19. We preach the gospel. The gospel could not have occurred had Jesus not come to the earth to be born of a virgin. But the baby's grown up. He died. He lived and he died the death that you and I deserve. Because God climbed into our mess. And we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, yet we have one who was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. And because he went through, fulfilled the plan, his plan, he was resurrected on the third day according to the scriptures. And he's been raised to be seated at the right hand of the Father. He's ruling the nations even now. And I know that you don't believe it, and it's hard to understand, but if you are in Christ, you are seated with him, and you are ruling with him even now. Does it feel like it to you? Do you feel like you're king of the universe? Probably not. We can't even fathom the blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. Revelation 19, this is the baby who's all grown up now. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. This is Jesus. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. You remember John said in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then he says that Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The incarnation, Emmanuel, God with us. This is the Word. And it says his robe is dipped in blood. And oftentimes we think, well, that means the crucifixion when Jesus died on the cross. But I don't think that's what it means. This is not his blood on his robe at this time. This is the blood of all of his enemies. He's now pouring out the wrath of God. This is their blood. Notice what he says. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. They're all, they're all clean. Why? Because Jesus has gone before them in battle. 
Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has this name written. King of kings. Lord of lords. That's who the baby Jesus has grown to be. King of kings. Lord of lords. Won't you say yes to the impossible? Just say yes to Jesus. If you need to respond this morning, we'll have shepherds here. We'll have them in the back. We're going to stand. Tony's going to lead us in a song. Would you make your heart his Bethlehem this morning? Let's stand. Let's sing.